You're listening to the Women in Western podcast hosted by Christina Miller and Cheyenne Draves, a lifestyle podcast where we discuss everything from faith to family, business and fitness with emphasis on the glam and grit of women in the Western lifestyle community. Grab a coffee and go for a walk or a drive. Let's chat and inspire each other to be the best version of ourselves. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Welcome to our first ever episode of Women in Western podcast. So excited right now. We are so excited. (laughs) This podcast has been in the works for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we should introduce ourselves first. I'm Cheyenne. And I'm Christina. <laughs> um, if you listen to the trailer for this podcast, you know that we are cousins, we are business partners, and most importantly, friends. Yes. We wanted to start out by telling you guys a little bit about why this podcast is so important to us. Um, I guess, kind of, what was the inspiration behind this podcast, Christina? Kind of just like... Yeah, I just think we're both kind of going through an area of, or it's not really an area, but a season of growth in our lives, and we just find so much value in things that we're learning day to day that we kind of just wanted to talk and share and get to know people better, and it's just, it's really important, I think, to both of us to add value to other people's lives through things that we've experienced and learned, Um, and just get to know people that way, too. I think it's a really amazing opportunity to be able to get on something like this and share exactly like me and Christina are both so passionate about adding value to other people's lives and our phone conversations are pretty much just mini podcasts so I feel like (laughs) we just wanted to start podcasting yeah we we just want to share with (laughs) y'all exactly we we talk about all this kind of stuff and you know so we figured we just start podcasting and eventually start having guests on I mean, I wish you guys could see us right now. We're sitting on my bedroom floor with our setup, our podcast microphones, our headphones, our laptops. We are good to go. Um, definitely no video component as we are in uh, very comfy leggings. Yeah, and... com- <laughs> I feel very techy right now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Way techier than we've ever felt in our entire life. But we're figuring out how to podcast and we're excited. So let's get right on into it. Perfect. Today, for our first episode, uh, we wanted to do something uh, where you'd be able to get to know the co-host a little bit better. So I'm going to be interviewing Cheyenne today so we can find a little bit more about her and her life. Um, So are you ready to get started? I guess so. Let's get started. (laughs) All righty. So let's take it back to the very beginning. Um, You know, where are you from? Where did you grow up? So I grew up in Southern California. I was born um, in Northern LA County, um, if any of you are familiar with Santa Clarita, California. I grew up with my mom, my dad, and my younger brother. He's 16 months younger than me. He was my BFF growing up. We had a really, really good childhood. I knew growing up that my parents didn't have a ton of money. We weren't rich by any means. We were definitely middle class, but they never let us go without, you know, we got to do so many fun things. My parents would much rather spend less money putting money into savings that month and spend more money letting us do sports. Like I did growing up ballet. I was riding motocross like bikes. It was insane. Christina, I did like everything. (laughs) I I absolutely did not know about the ballet. (laughs) 
yeah. Ballet for like five minutes. Um, I did I softball, all the sports. And we were always camping. We got to do so many cool activities. And I just loved those values that my family instilled in me. Um, we just had a really, really good upbringing. I mean, we were always on the lake. We got to go snowboarding. Growing up in Southern California was definitely a really cool thing because we just got to do so much fun stuff. That sounds amazing. And actually recently took a trip to Southern California and wow, is it gorgeous there. (laughs) So beautiful. It's so pretty. I don't love living there. (laughs) I'm glad I eventually moved, but growing up there was amazing. It sounds like it. So you grew up there. Did you also go to high school there? I did. So I went to high school. I did public school all throughout my education. The public school system in our town was amazing. We had a really big school. I graduated with 700 kids. There were 2,000 people at my high school when I went. Um, Yeah. So there was a lot and sports were really competitive. Um, So I tried out my freshman year for the volleyball team and Listening to people like, I know that you went to a really small school, Christina, and my husband went to a really small school. My husband graduated with like 60 people. And he was like, oh, I played varsity all four years. For me, you had to try out to make it onto the freshman team. Like there was freshman, JV, and varsity, and you had to try out. There were like 200 girls trying out for the freshman team. So it was like competitive. (laughs) Very competitive. So I tried out and made the volleyball team my freshman year, and I played three years. Um, And academics, I was really good at academics in high school, but I was not by any means super motivated, I think. I made really good grades the first, like, two or three years, and I think I just kind of started to, like, give up. I say give up. I wasn't getting C's and D's by any means. I was just, like... Freshman, sophomore year, I was super motivated, giving all A's and honors classes. I had above a 4.0. And then I think towards the end of high school, I just kind of like lost my motivation for what I was going to do when I grew up. So I just mm-hmm. kind of started getting, you know, the A's and the B's and the normal classes. Um, I did not graduate with honors. My mom thought I was going to, and she was really annoyed when I didn't. Um, <laughs> she knew I was really smart, but I wasn't applying myself. And end of high school, I did not play volleyball my last year because I was riding horses on a competitive drill team. Um, When we go into another episode talking more about how we got into horses and our horse journeys, I should say, um, I can talk a little bit more about that. But yeah, I was on a very competitive drill team growing up. Um, It was a youth drill team. So we graduated out at 18. My priorities were in that horseback riding team. So I decided to stick with that. Um, and not do volleyball. So I just wanted to stick with horses my uh, senior year, which was a really good idea for me because I got more time in school to do like the fun stuff and not have to be at practices and games. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I graduated in 2013, not honors. My mom was not very happy, but <laughs> still graduated. So it sounds like you kind of had like a little bit of a transition through high school. When you started high school, did you have like a career in mind? Like, oh, this is what I want to want to do or be. And it, that kind of changed when you got into the, the drill team and more of the horse aspect. You know, looking back, I didn't know what the heck I wanted to be. I remember in like junior high, I was so smart. People would be like, what do you want to do? And I remember saying I wanted to be like a political journalist one time. I wanted to be a marine biologist. I wanted to do all these things. I never, I never knew what I wanted to do. And I remember in high school, 
I had really big goals of going to college and doing all these things when I was like freshman, sophomore, and then kind of focusing more on the horse thing and kind of going into that. I slowly started to lose my, not drive, but I started to slowly lose my desire to go to a college because I didn't know exactly what what I wanted to do. I didn't want to waste any time anywhere, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, so absolutely. I still graduated not knowing what the heck I wanted to do. I liked horses, and that was all I knew. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like that transition kind of uh, in between your junior and senior year and moving from like academic sports into horses kind of shaped where you went next. So tell us a little bit about what you did after graduation. Definitely. So I didn't know what the heck I was going to do. There was a community college more towards the valley, San Fernando Valley area. We were north in Santa Clarita, if any of you guys are familiar with the Los Angeles area. And it was called Pierce College. It had an equine program. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go take horse classes. Maybe I want to be a vet tech. Maybe I want to be, you know, do something with horses. I wouldn't consider myself a hand by any means. I didn't think I was going to be a horse trainer, but I knew I wanted to do something maybe with horses. So I just took any horse class I wanted. I was just like, oh, maybe I'll be a vet tech because I had a good vet tech program at this college. So Mm -hmm. I went and took all of the equine classes I could. And one of them was called horse production. It was Wednesday nights from 7 to 10 p.m. I'll never forget. And the professor was Patty Warner and she had a guest speaker come in one night and this was middle of the semester. Um, You know, it was fall. So it was like October, maybe early November had a guest speaker named Jerry Gayona come in and he is an equine dental technician. He ended up starting a business to build equine dental tools. So he came in to talk to us about equine dentistry. And I remember I took the class with a girlfriend of mine. We're sitting there. She's like half asleep. It's 7 p.m. on a Wednesday night. And I am just like wide-eyed, can't get enough of this. I don't know what sparked it. I was just obsessed with what he was talking about. I thought it was so cool, him talking about horse teeth and how you could build a career from making horses feel better, perform better, eat better by floating their teeth. And I'd grown up with horses at this point. I think I had just bought my first horse at 18 years old. I had had the vet out. He pulled out a couple hand floats and went to town, but I (laughs) didn't know anything about equine dentistry. So um, I went up to him after the class and spoke to him and said, where did you go to school? I want to do that. And he said, you know, I really suggest you staying here and and getting your vet tech degree if if this is where you're at. But I went to the American School of Equine Dentistry. It's a four-week introductory course with Dr. Ray Hyde. And, you know, he's got classes all over the country throughout the year. That's where I went. And that night I went home dropped all my classes, told my parents that I was going to be an equine dentist, and I got two more jobs. I already had one job, got two more jobs to save up for the year to pay for this class. Wow. Is that the craziest story? (laughs) It's the craziest. I love how you know, like, exactly in that class, like, the time specific, you know, on a Wednesday, and you're like, that was the moment where it changed. A hundred percent. I don't know what it was to this day. My dad and mom still tell that story about how they were – absolutely blown away that night. Like, what is our daughter doing? She's so smart. Could have graduated with honors. She's kind of doing college now. She's dropping out now. I don't know what to do. She's so talented. I just remember them kind of just being like, okay. And and I really admire my parents in that moment because they could have been really unsupportive and said, no, you need to get a degree. You need to do this. Like, yeah, I was 18, but I was still living in their house. And they were just so supportive. And they were like, okay, how can we make this work to afford this? And 
like I said, I was already working a job in the Valley. Um, I was a front desk receptionist at a Chinese herbal medicine doctor's office. I did not know that. <laughs> That's the most random job I ever had. <laughs> like I can do a whole podcast on my experiences there. It's in North LA. We had celebrities in all the time. It, it was weird. And I also was working at the barn I grew up riding at. I was giving lessons to kids, cleaning stalls, cleaning waters, you know, doing the thing that most teen girls do at a barn when they're starting out. So then I started working at Starbucks for my third job and I would go into Starbucks at 4 a.m., I would work 4 to 11 a.m., so I'd have to get up at 3. I'd work 4 to 11 at Starbucks and then eat lunch, drive down to the valley, 12.30 to 8 p.m., work a shift at the Chinese Urban Medicine Doctor and then go home. And then when I had days off or weekends, I would work at the barn doing lessons and doing all that. So I hustled for a year to save up for this school. And looking back, it was you know a really cool time in my life, but in the moment, it was really hard because I was like, I don't know what's going to pay off. You know, I'm working these jobs I don't like. And yeah, I just worked my booty off and I was like, but we'll see. I'm going to, you know, save up the thousands of dollars it takes to go to this class and see what happens. Yeah. But how amazing that is though, that you set a goal and you're like, I just have to figure out how to make this work. And you made it work because working multiple jobs is hard and but jobs that start at three in the a.m really really hard um and then still staying true to like your passions and taking care of yourself so um i mean i know you made it to the school what happened after you finished um equine dental school oh yeah well i guess i should talk a little bit about equine dental school because like i said i just asked this random guy in my class about it he's the only person i know that went to this class my parents are like, okay, how much money are you spending to go here? They take me. So the class, the American School of Equine Dentistry has um, four-week introductory courses that run throughout the year, and they're all over the place. They're in Virginia, Florida, Colorado, and Wyoming. And I remember I was thinking about the Wyoming class because it was the month it was the month of August was when it was going to be. And I was like, oh, I really should go to that one because I really love Wyoming, but I wasn't going to have the money in time. So I had to switch to the Colorado class that was a month later in September. Thank God I did that because I think that changed my life forever. I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't go to that Colorado class. Yeah, I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah, I was not supposed to go to that one. I was supposed to go to Wyoming and it's just one of those many, many lessons God has given me in my life of you think you're going without now, but I'm doing this for a reason, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Absolutely. So I showed up to the ranch that was in Colorado. It's an equine dental school. So they have to find a ranch that has, you know, a bunch of horses that they can take 15 students and float horses all month. And they did it at a ranch in Western Colorado called Sombrero Ranches that has about 600 dude horses. And so I show up to that ranch. There's cowboys everywhere my age. My mom and dad were not happy dropping me off for a month at a ranch with just some, (laughs) you know, just a working ranch with some cowboys, little 18 year old me and a couple other students. And it was so funny. I get there and my dad's like, okay, well, have fun. And I get there and I am just in love with the work. I'm in love with the dentistry aspect. I cannot wait to get this started in my life. And one of those ranch hands just so happened to have caught my eye and I hung out with him for a little bit that month. And lo and behold, he five years later would be my husband. (laughs) 
Yes. And later on, we'll talk a little bit about that, but that's my cousin. <laughs> yes. We'll definitely talk a little bit more about that, but that's how Christina and I know each other is her cousin is my now husband. So we met a little bit later in that. Um, me and Christina met a little bit later, but but yes, she is related to my husband. So I did the equine dentistry class and I remember afterwards they were recommending that everyone buy tools and the tools were an extra three to four thousand dollars that I didn't have just for starting up tools. And I was like, shoot, I don't have the money for that. I don't know what to do. So I asked the head of the school, Dr. Ray Hyde, I said, what can I do after this? Can I go work for someone? Can I go apprentice for someone? What can I do? I want to go learn more. And he said, um, I know a guy, Southern California, that's where you're at. He travels all over the state of California. He's got a 30 foot gooseneck, um, dental trailer. You can, you know, you walk horses into that. He's got every single tool you can imagine. He is getting a little older. He doesn't really want to take that toll on his body anymore. I mean, the dude was 80 years old. He doesn't want to take that toll on his body anymore, but he likes to help people, teach people, and he'll just like chart the horses and you just go work for him. He probably won't pay you, but you're going to get invaluable experience. And I said, sign me up. I could make a whole podcast just on that experience. I mean, this is an 80-year-old man that I'm riding around with, with two other interns that I have no idea who they are. I just met them. Thank goodness one of them I became really close friends with. And we just traveled around California, staying in clients' houses and staying, gosh, it was just an experience. But I probably floated 1,500 horses in that time. That was such a good foundation to do right after school, get my feet wet, learn. And I remember after that, I had been working with him for about five months and towards the end I was like, you know, I, I got to move on. I, 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 it's not that I've learned all that I can, but I can't just keep working this apprenticeship and not get paid. I got to make some money. I want to take the next step. So I remember I got home and I was at the barn that I kept my horse at and a vet came out to euthanize one of my friend's horses, unfortunately. And he was there, and I remember after the euthanasia, I kind of helped him out because my friend didn't want to be with her horse, so I was kind of there to help him. And afterwards, I asked him, hey, are you hiring any techs? Like, I, I've i never done any tech work before, but, you know, I, I'm an equine dental technician. Um, I would love to float teeth for your practice if you're hiring techs. And he's like, actually, my tech that's here right now, she moves to Oregon in a month, so I need a new tech. And I was like, thank you, God. <laughs> Another God thing. So we ended up setting up an interview. I interviewed with him and then I started with his practice and I worked with him for two years and I really appreciated that time because I got to learn a lot of technical skills other than equine dentistry. You know, we were an AMBO practice, a full service AMBO practice. So we went to joint injections and colics and all this stuff. So I got all the experience in that sense, but I floated teeth for him for free for two years. He only paid me my hourly rate and I did all of his client horses and I didn't get paid any extra for that. In hindsight, should I have asked for money for those dentals? Probably. But at the time, I was like, I'm 19, 20 years old, and I didn't feel adequate enough to ask for that. And looking back, I was more than qualified to be asking for more pay and getting paid per float I was doing. But at the time, I did not. And so looking forward, um, you know, I was kind of, I was working for him for two years in the midst of that, I get a call from the head of the equine dentistry school, Dr. Ray Hyde, and he calls me a year after I'd gone to the school. So I'd done my apprenticeship and I'm working for a vet now. And he says, do you want to come back and teach at the American School of Equine Dentistry? And I said, 
are you insane? Do you have the wrong number? What are you talking about? Because I was 20 years old, Christina, 20 years old. And I felt so underqualified. I was blown away. And I said, you know, I would love to come and help out as much as I can. And I remember getting there and it was nice because at the time, you know, I was dating my husband who I had met there. So he was going to be there. I'd be able to go visit him because we were doing long distance. I was in California. He was in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And so I get to go spend the week with him. And I remember I got there and I impressed myself. I was the youngest person there. I wasn't even the youngest instructor. I was the young, I was younger than any of the students. There were no students there younger than me. There was vets there in their thirties and forties going to learn about equine dentistry. And I was 20 years old teaching them about equine dentistry that I'd learned a year ago. And I'm so thankful that Doc Hyde saw that passion, talent, and um, my need to further better myself and my passion of teaching that he trusted me to do that that year. Yeah, that's it. That's incredibly impressive to be the youngest one there um, to be invited to teach. What an amazing opportunity that must have been. It was amazing. And I'm just so thankful that he saw value in me when I couldn't see value in me. It was, it was, it was awesome. I will never forget that week. So after that, um, you know, I just continued working for the vet I was working for. And I remember actually leaving that class. And I was on the plane with my mom, September, 2015. It was a year after I'd done the dental school. And I said, by summer next year, I'll be living in Colorado. And I don't know why I said that. I mean, probably because my boyfriend was there, but I knew that I wasn't going to be the girl that went and moved for her boyfriend. I just know I had to get out of California and there was more for me out somewhere else. So that was kind of like going back to Colorado and and teaching was kind of a turning point for you in your life. Like it's time to make a to a goal to move and for a change. Exactly. And no one in my family had ever moved away before. My whole family lived there. So I was going to be, well, like we had a cousin that had moved away, but she came back. No one was ever in our family had ever moved for good. So it was kind of a shock to our family. We were like really close. And so I decided to start looking up places to go. Um, I knew that I wanted to be in Northern Colorado. My husband, then boyfriend, was in Longmont most of the time, but I knew for a fact I wasn't going to be moving for him to be staying with him. I knew that this was going to be a move for me. So I was looking at places and whatnot. And at that time, me and you, Christina, were still kind of like friends-ish. We knew of each other. <laughs> like, I think we'd only met once. Um, but yeah. I remember I had texted you and asked you like, oh, you know, like I'm thinking about moving to Colorado. Do you know of any like job opportunities? I'm, you know, an equine dental technician. And you had a friend that floated teeth and needed a helper that summer. And so I moved to Fort Collins. I had a friend that lived there, went to college there, and could move into her apartment. It was a college town, a lot of people my age, so I figured I'd go, and I worked for that equine dentist. Um, I was doing things I was way overqualified for. I was basically just like a glorified assistant, but it mm -hmm. definitely, it got me out there. And after that summer of working there, you know, I was living in Colorado on my own, and I decided to get some big girl jobs and I needed a couple to be able to afford everything. So I worked for a small animal hospital um, doing, you know, small animal medicine, hated it with a passion, loved the people I worked with though. So that's why I stuck around. But I figured, hey, I know how to tech. I can work at the small animal hospital. And then comes another big um, 
scary thing for me is I was putting out applications for equine medicine and I saw an application for a tech at CSU. And I was like, you know, I, I don't think I'm qualified to tech in a hospital, especially Colorado State University vet teaching hospital. I don't, I've never worked in a hospital. I don't have the experience. I don't know what to do. Sent in my application, got a phone call back and got an interview. I think I just faked it till I made it through the interview. (laughs) I definitely faked it till I made it. And I remember my first day at that job, I was so scared. The first month I was so scared to work there because I was felt just felt imposter syndrome. I felt so inadequate, but slowly but surely started to learn more and more, gain my confidence. And I worked there for four years. (laughs) Wow. It's hard to believe that was four years. Um, well, because this was kind of like at the start of our our friendship, and I just I remember you working there, and I remember personally just being so impressed by you. I'm like, this girl knows so much, <laughs> Christina. I did not know as much as I put off that I knew, <laughs> and yeah, I guess we'll go more into that too um, later. But that's how you and I met, is because you were living in Colorado at the time. So mm-hmm. Josh was living in Colorado, you were living in Colorado. So me and you started to become like kind of friends and acquaintances and hang out a little bit, just because I was like, oh, Christina's my boyfriend's cousin so I'll hang out with her and so that's how me and you became friends okay so you worked for CSU for four years as a tech uh were you you know kind of having ideas of doing other things at the time or were you wanting to stay in the field of technician or were you missing that equine dentistry focus you know I it was completely different than either of those because I started working at CSU and I was working with fourth year vet students every day. Um, my job description was I was the only, I worked weekends at CSU. So I was the only technician in the hospital from 2 to 10 p.m. on the weekends. No faculty, there weren't any residents, there weren't any interns. It was just me and a couple of fourth year vet students that had to take care of all the patients in the barn, triage all the emergencies, all that stuff. So I had to teach fourth year vet students about the field of equine medicine, which is insane to me because like a year before that, I felt totally clueless and imposter syndrome. So working with these fourth year vet students, I started to realize, you know, I never had like this crazy dream in my life of something that I would do. And working with this fourth year vet students, I was like, I always thought you had to be geniuses to be a vet student. And these people are not IQ of 382. These people are just Mm -hmm. like me. They're bright and they work hard. And you don't have to be super special and have the most intelligence in the world to be a vet. You just have to be smart and work hard. And I was like, I'm that too. So I think I can do that. And so I called my grandma October 2017. This was after about a year working at CSU. And she was the first person I called. I said, Grandma, I think I'm going to go to vet school. That's what I want to do. And she said, you can do it, baby girl. And I had no degree. I didn't know what it took to get there. And I just started working my little booty off. And I thought, I can be a vet. Let's go be a vet. I prayed about it a lot. And I gave it to God. And I said, God, I'm not going to waste 15 years of my life trying to chase this dream. But if you put this on my heart, it's for a reason. So I'm going to give it my all and try for three years. And if I don't make it in, then it wasn't in your plan. And I'm going to do my hardest for the next five years to try my hardest. And if I don't make it, it wasn't in your plan. So I started going to take my prerequisites at CSU. um, And I only was going to apply to CSU at vet school because I knew that I wanted to stay in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And which is, in hindsight, that's like one of the hardest schools to get into. So why that was a decision, I have no idea. But I knew that I wasn't going to be happy living anywhere else. 
I love the mountains. I love being in that atmosphere. So I knew I wasn't going to want to live in Kansas or Iowa <laughs> to go to vet school. So I knew that that was going to be the only place I was going to apply. And you were enrolled at the CSU uh, clinic too as a vet tech. Correct. Right? Yeah. I was working okay. at yeah. CSU and I was going to school at CSU. So I said, CSU is the place to go. So I did the prerequisites. I got all A's and my mom was like, this is the person I knew when you were a freshman and sophomore. Like you can get all A's. You're bright. You're smart. You could do this. The application process for vet school is a year long. Like you only can apply once a year. So I remember I applied the first year and didn't get in. And I thought, okay, you know, no one gets in the first try. Like it's, I, my prereqs aren't even done yet. I just had intent to finish them before vet school. Applied the second time, didn't get in. And I thought, you know, that kind of time kind of sucked. I, I cried a lot, felt that that was my year, but didn't get in. And I gave it one last try actually last year. And I found out this year in January that I did not get in a third time. So I know God put that passion into me all those years ago to do that for a reason. And I know it's because he wanted me to go through that journey of doing school and learning about the vet med career. And he wanted me to start little by little going after a big dream like that and know what it's like to go after a big dream like that. But now that I'm at the point that I am now, I know that I wouldn't be happy going to vet school now at this time in my life. And I think he had me go through those years of doing that to learn that. God's plan. (laughs) Um, Big time God's plan. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's always interesting, like when you're going through the moment and being so passionate, you know, like God put that on your heart and you set a goal. I really look up to you and admire the way you handled everything. You know, you, you said you were going to try three times and you did. And even though that didn't work out, there was so much that, like you said, value that you gained from those five years of going after that goal. I 100% learned that failure is not something to be feared. Failure was the coolest thing in that season because you learn so much about yourself when you fail at something. And I would have much rather tried and failed than never have gone after it at all. Mm-hmm. It's um, failing up is the way I look at it. Uh, failing up. I failing love up. it. <laughs> so in the process of that five-year goal, that's quite a span. Um, Tell us a little bit like about your personal life and your relationships while you were going to vet school and chasing after this really big goal. So like I said earlier, I had met my husband at the dental school and moved to Colorado and we were dating while I was here, but I was living an hour away from him. I had my own place. I did my own thing. It was very much, I knew that I wanted to make it myself before. I started relying on someone and started joining my life with someone. And I knew that that was the season of my life that I had to be kind of doing things on my own. And like I said, we were dating. So it's not like I was just like, oh, that guy over there I like. <laughs> no, we, we were dating. So we'd see each other on weekends and and he'd come up to Fort Collins. I'd go down to Longmont. And my husband throughout that entire time still worked for the same ranch. So when people ask me what my boyfriend did for a living, he was a cowboy. Uh, worked horses. During hunting season, he got to guide hunts and rent out horses to hunters. Winter time, he'd take care of a few hundred head out in eastern Colorado and, you know, keep them fed and watered. So basically, he was just a ranch hand cowboy. And he had some goals and aspirations outside of that. But we knew for that season that that's where he was meant to be and to have the most fun because, you know, what's that song? You can't be a cowboy forever. Um, (laughs) But he wasn't going to be able to do that forever. So he wanted to be able to 
do that while, you know, before he got married and had kids. That being said, 2018 was right when I was in school and, you know, trying to get into vet school. And and we both decided that that was the time to start thinking about marriage and our life together. He proposed to me in October 2018, right before my very first mule deer hunt. Um, so romantic. He's a huge hunter. So <laughs> that was his idea of romance. Then we got married a little less than a year later, August 2019. Fun fact, I got married based on when during his cowboying season wouldn't be busy and when I would have a break in between summer school and fall semester. So that was when our wedding had to be was August. That makes a lot of sense now looking back. (laughs) Yeah, and we were not allowed to get married during hunting season. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a no-no in our family. Um, Yeah, and let's just talk about the fact that we have two weddings coming up for our family this October during hunting season. And family members, you know who you are. (laughs) So you get married in August of 2019. Uh, What did you guys kind of do after you got married? What was life like after that Because with him being a cowboy? So he actually got a quote-unquote promotion at work actually a couple months before our wedding, and it was definitely unexpected, but it was 100% a God thing. Um, Someone within the company that ran, he was the herd boss, um, he moved on to a different career, so my husband stepped into that position, and he was in charge of 600 head of horses, where they're going for lease. He had a crew of his own cowboys. So my husband was basically the foreman of the ranch. And it worked out because we ended up um, getting to move in a beautiful house in town that was provided by the company. So we were so blessed in that sense that we got to live the cowboy life. We got to have a house in town. So I continued to go to school. I continued to work part-time. You know, my husband was still a cowboy. He had his crew of employees that he ran, and he had a little bit higher of a stress level. And then this was about, you know, 2020, world shuts down. We don't need to talk about that. But my husband's work didn't shut down, and my work didn't shut down because I, you know, horses and animals still get sick, so they still need vet techs and that. And then you can't just shut down a ranch and make sure, put all the horses on pause and not eating. Right. You both have 24-7 careers. Anything with livestock, y'all, it's it never stops. It <laughs> never li- stops. Living, breathing animal, and so they require constant care and attention. So world stops, but our jobs don't. Everyone's working from home. We're not. <laughs> but, um, you know, we continued to work. I figured out that I wasn't getting into vet school and getting that news. So I was kind of starting to look more towards, you know, our future goals and we decided to start our family. And so February 2021, we welcomed our first daughter into the world, Miss Josephine Weaver. And she just became the cherry on top of our family. Um, she helped me learn a lot about myself. And I can kind of go into that a little bit later. But I figured that I would continue working at CSU after she was born. I was working nights, which was absolutely miserable. I was working from like 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. And I'd get home at 3 a.m. Josh would get up for work at 6 to go leave. And then she would be up at 7. So I'd get three to four hours of sleep per night. It just really wasn't conducive to surviving, (laughs) having Mm -hmm. to work that much. So I needed to know I needed to make a change. Um, We were coming up on hunting season where my husband leaves for the West Slope five hours away from our house. And we knew that 
it was going to be rough, me being home with the baby and him being five hours away. So we made the crazy decision for us to go move into our camper trailer to the ranch with the baby and that I would cook for the entire hunting camp. The equine dental school comes every year to um, the ranch in September and I teach every year. So I have been teaching every year since I went to the went to the class in 2014. I have been teaching every year, but I would work teaching the dental school during the month of September. And then October to December, I would cook for the hunters and the cowboys. And girl, I am not qualified to be a ranch cook. Let me just tell you that right now. (laughs) That wasn't on one of your goals (laughs) to be a cook. (laughs) That was not on the goal sheet. And I have never been known for my cooking. My husband likes my cooking. I figured I could read a cookbook okay and do it. But that ended up being such a cool season. I quit my, you know, job at CSU. I made sure to do that, focus on family time. And we spent that time kind of figuring out what our next step was. My husband knew that now we had a baby and we had our family together. It was looking like we just needed to make a change in our life. And he didn't want to necessarily have that lifestyle anymore of being on the road, working seven days a week, not being able to take vacation, not being home every night to, to see her and me. So we made a decision in those few months in that camper trailer that come January, he was going to quit his job. And that's the only thing that we knew we were going to (laughs) do. And so um, looking back, you know, it another God thing. But in the moment, we're like, we're going to quit his job and we don't know what we're going to do. During this time, I had been doing equine dentistry kind of on the side since 2017, 2018 is about when I bought my own tools and kind of started to do dentistry just for my own personal clients here and there and never enough to make enough money. But that fall, when I was cooking on the ranch, I decided, you know what, I'm going to make this a full-time thing. I'm going to start full-time doing my dentistry and see what happens. And so November, 2021, I started my LLC and I haven't looked back since. I've been so busy with teeth. It's kind of like a reignited thing in my life. It's kind of like a reignited spark in my life where now I'm doing it full time and it's amazing. I'm so blessed that I have the clientele and people that trust me with their horses that I can go do that every day. I'm in love with it. Mm -hmm. Another God thing too, you know, circling back now you have your, like your dream job that you're always wanting to, to be, um, you know, an equine dentist and all those skills and the years going to college and your husband gets to be home now. Like what an amazing transition time. And it all worked out in God's timing. It did. And, and five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, I wasn't ready to be full-time doing that, but now I am. So it was just really cool that that happened right at that time. The perfect storm. So you're going through a transition period. Um, you just started your LLC. Were there any other passions um, or things you were pursuing in your life at the time? So actually, back in 2018, my good friend Christina Miller called me. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> she told me that she was going to start a lash business. And I told her, girl, go for it. That sounds amazing. That's right when I was starting my journey to try to become a vet. And I wanted you to pursue that wholeheartedly. And we can kind of go a little bit more into that with your story about the journey of your lash company, Dandy Lashes. But long story short, like I said, we'll we'll visit it next week with your episode. You came to me in 2021 when I was six months pregnant and said, 
hey, I want to restart Dandy Lashes. I've been on a break from my Dandy Lashes business. I want to restart and I want you to be my co-owner. And it was so random. <laughs> I mean, Incredibly random. I got this text from you and I said, absolutely. I remember I texted Josh and I said, are you okay if I go in with her on this? And he said, yeah, if that's what's going to make you happy. And at the time I was pregnant, I knew that changes were coming and I thought this is going to be the perfect opportunity for me to be home do what I want to do. I loved social media. I loved marketing in that way. So I thought this is going to be a way that I can be at home, be with my baby and pursue a passion and build a business. So all through, you know, 20 or that was, sorry, November, 2020 that you came to me with that, or we launched in November, 2020, yes, not 2021. So all through 2021, our first year in business, we'll probably have a whole other episode on that year because that year was very difficult for yeah. Dandy Lashes in our personal lives, but it's a brief look into that season. <laughs> that yeah, that season was um, very rough for us, but we started to get more and more growth towards the end of 2021 into this year. And Dandy Lashes has really become such a big passion of mine because I get to do it with you, who is one of you know my best friends, and it's something that we have a vision of inspiring women to be the best version of themselves, and we get to do that through a product that we use every day. And so I just love that brand that we've built. So, you know, towards the end of last year, I'm starting my LLC with CMD Dentistry. I'm focusing on dandy lashes. I'm 100% self-employed and I am loving every minute of it of being able to go through that. Awesome. And I think that kind of also led to now um, all the growth and experiences that you've had in your personal life kind of both led us to this moment where we're like, hey, we have a lot to share. Let's you know, start on this new adventure and now you're listening to it right now. <laughs> so, um, exactly. Like the end of yeah. last year, I feel like you and I both in our personal lives experienced such immense growth that season being mine, you having your own story for it. So us just having this moment of, we have info to share with people and we want to be able to do that through a podcast. So you have all these amazing things going on career-wise that you're so passionate about, um, but you're also a mom, which is such an amazing thing. Tell us a little bit more about um, motherhood and your daughter. Yes, my daughter, I'm going to get emotional talking about it, but she's the reason that I knew I wanted more for my life and I wanted to have, oh my goodness, I didn't think I was going to get this emotional. She's the reason I wanted to have a lifestyle where I could be with her and I didn't have to have someone else raise her. But at the same time, she could see me working hard every day and she could see me doing what I love because in her life, I want her to be able to do what she loves. And if that means seeing me do it every day is going to inspire her to do it. That's what I want for her. So being a mom was the most life-changing thing for me because it allowed me to make these career changes and become a business owner of not only one, not only two, but now three businesses, one being this podcast. And so I hate to get all sappy on here, but you know, she's a big reason for my why. And we do want to have, you know, a bigger family and more kids eventually, but she definitely was the driving factor in deciding where our life was going to go. She's been the biggest part of that. And 
I just want her to look back and know that her mom did everything she could to give her the best life and take care of herself the most. Because if I'm not 100% and happy in what I'm doing, then she's going to see that and she's going to know that I'm not happy and she's not going to have a happy life. Excuse me while I also wipe my tears. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Didn't mean to get that deep with y'all, but that's how I feel. (laughs) Um, Such incredible emotion and passion behind that. And coming from an outside perspective and being your friend and now family, watching you become a mother and sorry, I'll get emotional too, but you're an amazing, amazing mother and watching you go after your goals and your dreams and your passions. And this morning, um, you, you're also amazing on social media, but this morning as I was catching up on your socials, um, just seeing you interact with Joey and the life and just passion and truth that you speak into her every single day, being a daughter of God um, and watching you lead as a mother and in business is just so incredible and also being such an amazing wife too. So you're a very passionate person. What are some other passions uh, and hobbies that you enjoy that you love sharing with your daughter? My family and I, we have a lot of passions that we share together. One of the biggest ones being horses. You know, when I met my husband, he was such an incredible and is still an incredible horseman, knows much more than I do when it comes to horses. And he learned way later in life than I did. He's just a natural. So it was really cool to share that passion of horses with him. As far as horses go, we still have our horses, even though he's not working for the ranch anymore. We have um, my good horse, Brick, his good horse, Ghost, and then we have another yellow horse. We call him Cheese it <laughs> So those are the three in the string right now. Um, as far as what we do with them right now, my husband likes to rope, and I run flags for the Colorado Stars and Stripes team here in Colorado. We run flags for the Greeley Stampede and a lot of polo events and stuff like that. Kind of takes me back to my roots of drill team days, and I can get more into that when it when we get to the episode of us talking about our horse journeys. Yeah, we'll definitely get more into that. Another big passion of ours, when I met my husband, he told me before we got married, every single man in his family puts hunting above most things so that I would have to get used to that. My husband is an incredible hunter. He lives for hunting season. I mean, he bow hunts, elk, mule deer, whitetail, bird hunts, all of the things. I mean, we were just in Texas and he was hog hunting. You know, we had to make that a priority. So my husband's really shared that with me. I didn't grow up hunting, but he really has shared that passion with me. And I have fallen in love with the concept of providing food for our family through being in nature and being with God in his country and being able to, um, provide the bounty that he provides to our family. So I went on my first couple of hunts with my husband, um, early on in us dating, I harvested a mule deer and a bull elk within 20 hours of each other when I was six months pregnant. That's probably one of my biggest accomplishments. And for my birthday this year, he just bought me a bow. So now I'm going to start getting into the bow hunting. Um, So hunting is a really important part of our lives. We kind of base a lot of our recreational things around hunting season. And nothing's allowed to be during hunting season. 
Um, I love being outdoors, that being said. So I love hiking during the off season. Um, I love being in the mountains, camping, being outside. And recently I just started to develop a really big passion for fitness and overall wellness lifestyle. And you and I can both get into that in another, another podcast because you and I both have a lot of um, passion for fitness, especially as of within the last like couple of years. So those are kind of things that set my soul on fire and refill my cup and make me happy. I love that. love that. And I'm excited to kind of dig a little bit deeper into those things in later episodes. But just kind of wrapping things up, what is one thing that people can learn from your story? I love this question because I think there are a lot of different things that people can get from everyone's story. I think everyone has value that they can add to other people's lives through their story. But I think in listening to mine, one thing that you can get value from is understanding that you don't have to have it all figured out and you don't have to be the most knowledgeable person in the room. You don't have to be the most qualified person in the room, but you have to be the most hardworking. And hard work can outdo smarts any day. If you're passionate about something and something means a lot to you and you think you can be good at that thing, if you're hardworking and you stick to it, you're going to be able to do it. I promise. And that goes for all aspects of my life from becoming an equine dentist to starting businesses, any of that. But I can guarantee you, I tried my best to be the most hardworking person in the room and the most passionate person in the room. Um, And I think and anything that you're trying to do in your life, if you just apply your passion and hard work to it, you can do whatever you want. I love that so much. Such a huge and amazing takeaway from that. This interview is amazing. And I hope that y'all enjoyed getting to know Cheyenne better. Sorry, I got a little emotion at the end. It's good. We need that passion and emotion in our lives. Um, But thank you all so much for hanging out with us today. We had the best time for our first ever episode of the Women in Western podcast. And if you like this podcast, make sure to subscribe and leave us a rating on Spotify and Apple podcast. And we are so excited to see y'all next week for Christina's interview. We get to learn a little bit more about her because she definitely is not blasting her life all over social media. So I think you guys are going to learn a ton about her and her story next week. So we will see you all next week on the Women in Western podcast. Yes. Bye, y'all. We'll see you next week. Bye.